Well, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke 17. That's where we're going to be today, Luke 17. I don't know if you know this, but Thanksgiving is this week. And so you, you still have time to, to get a turkey if you need to do that. But we're pausing for one week from our teaching series, Revealed, in order to talk about gratitude. Because as we'll see, gratitude is really important to the Christian life. What is it? How do we grow in it? How can it be cultivated more and more in us? You may know the name Rudyard Kipling. He's a famous British writer. He wrote a, a lot of books. Ricky Ticky Tavi. I remember I, I read that as a kid, The Jungle Book. But during his lifetime, he was very wealthy because of all of his writings. And the story's told that one day, a newspaper reporter came to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I don't know if you know this, but somebody has calculated your net worth and your, your books and how many words are in your books, and it turns out that for every word you write, you get $100, essentially. And he said, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And then the reporter cynically reached into his pocket and took out a $100 bill, and he gave the $100 bill to Mr. Kipling and said, here you go, now give me one of your $100 words. Well, Rudyard Kipling, he looked at the bill in the man's hand and then he took it and he folded it and then he put it in his pocket and then he said, thanks. <laughs> that was his word, thanks. And that's a really important word. That is a hundred dollar word. Don't you wish somebody would just give you a hundred bucks if you said thank you? I do. But in the Bible, thank you is one of those one hundred dollar words. It's so important. The concept of giving thanks comes up in the Old Testament 102 times and the New Testament 71 times. Over and over again, God tells his people to give thanks. It's like gratitude is meant to be the soundtrack that we live our lives to. That's, that's the sense you get biblically. I love what Ronald Rollheiser says. He says this, he says, to be a saint is to be fueled by gratitude. Nothing more and nothing less. To be a saint is to be fueled by gratitude. The truth, though, is that gratitude is not the fuel for many of us, for me. I love what Anne Lamott says, she says that there's really only two prayers, the best two prayers she says that she knows are help me, help me, help me, and thank you, thank you, thank you. And we could probably add a third, which would be I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Really, those three prayers, that's the Christian life. And of those three, I, I don't know about you, the, the most common for me is help me, help me, help me. That characterizes a lot of my prayer life. And if you take out meal times where you feel like you have to say thank you, God, for this food, the gap between thank you, thank you, thank you, and help me, help me, help me is even wider. I remember I asked my son Asher when he was about four years old, I said, Asher I was putting him to bed, and I said, do you ever pray to Jesus? Just curious. And he said, yeah. And I said, that's awesome, buddy. What do you say? And he said, I say, make me some grapes. And I've always thought that was, I have no idea why grapes were so important to him, but that's what he prayed, right? 
And, you know, though I don't pray for grapes, I think most of my prayers, again, it's saying, God, would you help me with this? Would you do this for me? Would you make this go away? Would you bring this into my life? Help me, help me, help me. And there's nothing wrong with praying, help me, help me, help me. But according to the Bible, again, giving thanks is so critical. It really is the fuel for the spiritual life. That we would, not just from our lips, but from our hearts, would say thank you to God and live out of that place. So here's the question today. How can we grow in becoming more grateful? To where we're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving or over Christmas this year and you're saying thank you and it really is welling up from inside of you because God has so cultivated generosity, gratitude, in response to God's generosity, that you just say, thank you, God. Well, in Luke 17, there's an incredible story that helps us understand how we can cultivate gratitude more in our lives. Luke, he says that now on his way, Jesus' way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now, maybe you know this, but getting leprosy in the first century, this was the worst thing that could happen to you. Not only would your skin degenerate over time, but, but the worst part was not physical, it was the exclusion. I mean, if you found out you had leprosy, you were immediately cut off from your family, and you had to go live outside the camp, you were exiled from the community. These lepers, Luke says, they stood at a distance because they couldn't get close to Jesus. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So they knew something of Jesus. That word master, that title, conveys a sense of authority and ability to do miracles. So they knew something about him. And they call out, and it's interesting to me, they don't ask for Jesus to heal them. They ask for him to show pity or mercy on them. Now, surely what they had in mind was that he would heal them. But their appeal, again, it's for Jesus to show mercy and compassion. Why? Because they realized their only hope for healing is the mercy of Jesus, not their worthiness. And it's the same with you and with me. That's what being a Christian is. It's not a bunch of people who are worthy, who run towards Jesus. We're at a distance, and our only hope for healing is his mercy. It's not our worthiness. And so they, they, they cry out, and Luke says, when he saw them, Jesus, he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Now, this is so interesting. Jesus does not come towards them. He doesn't speak to them. He doesn't heal them. The only thing he does is he says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, in Jewish culture, if you were a leper and you recovered, in order to rejoin society, you had to go get the all clear from a priest. They would function like a health inspector, really a purity inspector, and they would verify that you no longer had leprosy and that you could rejoin your community. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus tells them while they are still in their leprous condition to go to the priests. What's Jesus doing when he says that to them? 
He is testing their faith. He's testing their faith. Jesus says, act as if you have already been healed in faith that you will be. And the evidence of their faith, just like the evidence of our faith, is what? It's obedience. If they obey, it's, it's evidence that they trust. And if they don't obey, it's because they don't trust him. Well, Luke, he says that they went, and as they went, they were cleansed. And that word cleansed is such a powerful word because, you know, Luke doesn't say they were healed. That's part of this. But again, recovering from leprosy wasn't just a physical thing. It was a social, it was a spiritual thing. And now they've been cleansed. They can rejoin their community. But their healing is not the reason why Luke includes this story in his gospel narrative. The reason why he includes this story and the reason why we need so badly to hear this story today is what happens next. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. So one of the ten doesn't go to the priest. He, he runs back to Jesus to say thank you. And then comes the surprise. Luke has saved it until right now for dramatic effect. This man, he comes back, he throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him. And, Luke says, he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Now, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. There's writings from this time period that tell us that if you were a Jew living in the south in Judea and a wind blew through Samaria in the north to you, it was common for you to cover your face because you did not want to breathe the same air that the Samaritans had just exhaled. They hated each other. And Luke says very intentionally that the one who came back was a Samaritan. Now Jesus, he asked... When, when he comes back, he says, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? He marvels at their lack of gratitude. And then Jesus, he says this, has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Now, there's three things I want to point out. The Bible is so rich in this verse. First, notice that Jesus, he equates himself with God. I mean, the man in, in verse 16 came and thanked Jesus, and in verse 18, Jesus says, when you did that, you praised God. So scholars who will say, Jesus wasn't God. Jesus didn't even understand himself to be God. That was just made up by the disciples long after he died. There's, there's places like this where Jesus says, no, I'm God. But also notice, Jesus, he equates giving thanks with praising him. It says in verse 16, the man gave thanks, but in verse 18, Jesus, he says, you gave praise, you worshiped me when you gave me thanks. You know, sometimes we think about worship as only the songs we sing, the 20 minutes out of our week, Sunday morning, we're in here. But, but worship is so much bigger and so much broader. Worship is, is any way in which we say to God, you're worthy. You are worthy. That is worship. And what Jesus is saying here is that when we give God thanks, that's what we're doing. 
that when you're with your children at bedtime and when you pray and you say, God, thank you for a great day and thank you for my son's teacher and for his friends and Lord, we just give you thanks for all the ways you've provided for us. You're worshiping when you're around the table at a great meal and you say, God, from your heart, thank you. This is a gift. That's worship. When you're on your way home from the office and when you're reflecting and you're like, that meeting went a lot better than I thought it was gonna go. And you say, God, thank you. That's worship. But the, the thing that would have struck the first readers of this text was not that giving thanks is equivalent to worship. What would have struck them was who was doing the worshiping. Again, Jesus, he says, has no one else returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. And that word for foreigner is translated as foreigner or alien. It literally means one of another race, which implies that the other nine who didn't come back, they were Jews. Now, the Jews did not like Samaritans. Again, but, but, but it wasn't just that they disliked them. They viewed them as being far from God. In fact, if you lived in the first century and you went to the temple and you were a Gentile, which were Gentiles, and, and you went to worship, you would be greeted by this sign that says, no foreigner may enter. It's the same word that Jesus uses here. And scholars believe that Luke, who's writing this gospel narrative, that he is intentionally putting this story right here on purpose. Why? Because this story represents the point that Luke is trying to drive home, that Jesus is trying to drive home from chapter 16 through chapter 18. And what's the point? The point is that it is the outsiders, not the insiders, who are most responsive to Jesus. That is what we need to hear when we see this text. It is the outsiders who are more responsive to Jesus than the insiders. The Jews, as represented by the Pharisees as a whole, listen, all of their knowledge of the scriptures with their temple, their history of being God's people, they missed it. And the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the Samaritan lepers, they are the ones who see Jesus for who he is and respond to him. And here's what that means for us today, and this is so important. Listen, knowing about God does not make you responsive to God. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards. Many of these Jews did. And that does not make you a grateful person with a soft heart who responds to Jesus. It doesn't. The one in this story who does is the outsider. Samaritan leper who responds with gratitude. And the passage ends with Jesus saying, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And that idea made you well, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger than physical idea. This is not just you've been healed. Your translation might say, your faith has made you whole or your faith has saved you. Now, scholars debate the exact meaning of the words here, but what's clear is that this man, this Samaritan, is experiencing a spiritual wholeness and a, and a blessing that the others aren't. 
And why? Because of his faith. Now, all 10 of the lepers had a measure of faith. I mean, remember, in the story, all 10 go to the priest before they're cured. So the, the, the point is not that the other nine didn't have any faith. The, the point of the story is that the faith of the other nine was incomplete because it did not result in gratitude. This one of the ten, this Samaritan leper, he only expressed his faith in gratitude. And Jesus says to him, your faith has made you whole. Now, here's the question we got to look at today. What caused that guy to be different than the others? I mean, why was he grateful and the others were not? And the answer is important because, again, this is the difference between you being grateful to God and you not. You returning to give thanks to Jesus and you and I not doing that. So what's the difference between the two? There are two things in the story that the Samaritan did that the other nine did not. And we're going to talk about this. The first thing we see is that the Samaritan, he saw something the others did not see. He saw something the others did not see. Verse 15 says, one of them, the Samaritan, when he saw that he was healed. Now, it's interesting because the others saw too. I mean, they, they noticed they were healed. It's not like the other nine they get to the priest, and the priest says, you're not going to believe this, but you actually don't have leprosy. And they say, are you serious? I had no idea. They noticed that they were healed, but at the same time, they didn't see, not in the same way. You see, you and I, we can notice God's provision, God's activity, and at the same time, not see it. Not with eyes of gratitude. What, what gets in the way? What blocks our vision from from you and I being able to see through grateful eyes? Let me give you three things that that block our vision from seeing the way that this man saw. First, entitlement. Entitlement is something that gets in the way and and blocks our vision. Entitlement is this attitude that says, I deserve this. And, And this attitude will absolutely kill gratitude. I wonder if one of the lepers, I don't want to judge them, but, but it's possible one of them looked down that he was healed, his skin was clear, and I wonder if he said, it's about time. God, that took him so long. Can you believe it? You see, the reason why this, this attitude of I deserve is a gratitude killer is because there's no room for grace It's all a wage. It's all something that you earn. And and we all struggle with entitlement. Anybody else besides me? Listen, we we all do. And we don't verbalize it a lot, but it's inside of us. We think thoughts like this. I deserve not to be treated like this by my adult children. Anybody ever thought that? After all the diapers I changed, all I've said, I don't deserve to be treated this way. I deserve for my company to compensate me better than this. I deserve to have a happier marriage. I deserve to be sexually fulfilled. I deserve for my body to not break down and have these problems. I deserve to have my prayers answered in a way that I can understand. Many of us, 
we wouldn't verbalize it, but we, that's there. I know it is in my life. This attitude. And when that is in our hearts, we can't see. We can't see. Another thing that blocks our vision is comparison. It's comparison. I, I wonder if, if one of the lepers looked around and said, you know, I would go back and say thank you, but everybody else got healed too. It's not like it was just for me, right? You see, comparison, looking over at everyone else, it, it, it keeps us from seeing God's individual kindness to us. And again, we, we, we struggle with this. We have a house where every person in our, in our household has their own room. Unlike a huge portion of the world where everybody sleeps in the same room. But because everybody else that we know that we're friends with, they have that same arrangement, we don't even see it. We have reliable transportation, three meals a day, a good job. And not only that, we get retire, retirement benefits can you imagine explaining retirement to the vast majority of people who've lived before now? We get retirement benefits, but so does everyone else. And so we don't see it as all that special. Comparison, it blocks our vision. And then one other thing that gets in the way is, is this. It's focusing on the negative. Just suppose that one of the lepers said, after he was healed... Again, he, he doesn't have leprosy. He says, yeah, you know, Jesus healed me, but my back is still just really sore. And, you know, I can't believe it. He didn't do anything about that. He just did not address my lumbar pain, right? Now, it sounds ridiculous, but this is exactly what some of us do. I mean, we say, I'm, you know, I'm sure God provided for me by giving me an amazing family and a steady income, yeah. But have you seen the stock market right now? It's just really unstable. So it's really hard for me to be in a posture of giving thanks. I mean, sure, God's given me amazing friendships and a great church community, but my marriage is still not what I want it to be. Yeah, sure, my son is, is thriving and walking with the Lord, but my daughter's not. We, fo we focus on the negative. Now, I am not saying that there is not place for grief and sadness and loss. God never calls us to paint a happy face over the brokenness of life, ever. But we can feel sadness in certain parts of our lives and in other parts of our lives see God's goodness and praise him. Healthy spirituality is, whole, is able to hold both of those at once. And if we are going to cultivate grateful hearts, we have to be able to see God's goodness, even in the midst of the pain. So how clear is your vision today? How able to see are you? I love what Elizabeth Barrett Browning says. She says that the world is ablaze with the fire of God, but only those who recognize it take their shoes off. Let me just ask you today, is it possible you're missing it? Is it possible that, that we are missing it? What I want to point out lastly is that in the story, this man does not just see the blessing, but he sees the blesser. He sees God as the giver of the blessing. It says, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God 
in a loud voice. This man does not just look at his skin that's suddenly clear and just say, you know, I feel really grateful. He runs to Jesus in worship. Why? Because he sees beyond the blessing to the blesser, to the giver of that blessing. Here's what's true in your life and in my life. Every blessing you have, if you follow the thread, it will lead you to the generosity of God, the giver of all good and perfect things. It comes from his hand. So follow the thread. Move beyond just seeing the blessing to see the one behind it. And here's why this matters, again, because a lot of us, you know, I read this story and I think, I want to be like that guy. You know, I want to throw myself at the feet of Jesus. I want to worship him. We will never worship Jesus the way this man did until we see him the way this man did. You see, worship is a response to seeing. And we will never worship God this way till we see with eyes of gratitude. We, we don't just see the blessing, we see the one behind it. Now, the Samaritan, he did not just see something that the others did not see. He did something else. He saw something the others did not see, and he said something that the others did not say. He said something. Now, this seems obvious, but this man thanked Jesus with his words. Again, I went to seminary to learn observations like this really in in depth. Verse 15, look at this. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. This, This was not casual. This was intentional. This required action. You see, this kind of gratitude has to move from our feelings to our feet, from emotion to motion. Why? Because we can't thank God from a distance. You see, what we learn about this man is is he moves towards God. He doesn't just feel it in his heart. I love what Jesus says. He says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? I want you to notice, Jesus does not say, has no one else felt grateful in their hearts? He doesn't say that. Jesus says, has no one else Return. See, according to Jesus, the problem, the disconnect, isn't just that you don't see what God's doing. It's, are you doing anything about it? And these men, they probably had a great reason for not going back to Jesus. Just think about it. Some of these lepers, they probably thought, you know what? He knows I'm thankful. He's God and all. So I, I don't really need to say it. Maybe one of them was like, I've got so much going on. I've got to move all my stuff from outside the camp to back inside the camp. I'm sure he'll understand. Maybe one of them said, you know, I haven't seen my friends in six months. I just, I'm going to go see my buddy. He'll understand. Another one said, you know, I'm on my way to help other people. Tomorrow's the Sabbath, and they, they need my help with their chores. What are the reasons that you and I have for not coming to Jesus with a grateful heart? We have them. You can't thank Jesus from a distance. Again, what we learn here is that, that real gratitude, it moves us to say something. Now, what does that look like in practice? I mean, how do we apply it? One principle we see in this text, which is so simple, but hopefully it helps us get handles on this. One principle we see is this. If you see something, 
say something. If you see something that God is doing, a way that he's provided for you, say something. This Samaritan, he immediately returns to thank Jesus. He sees and then he goes. And what's true, and I think this is true in my life, if we do not give thanks quickly, we usually don't at all. We have all of these visions of writing thank you notes to lots of people. If, if we don't do it quickly, we usually don't do it at all. And, and when it comes to thanking Jesus, the more specific, the better. Thanks for everything could be thanks for nothing. But, but when we get specific, it causes us to be more intentional. It makes the thanksgiving more meaningful. And by the way, this is not always that I see something in the present if I see something in my life right now, then I'll praise God, I'll thank God. No, sometimes this is, I see something in the past. Israel, they had so many different feasts and celebrations every year where they would offer thanksgiving offerings to God. They were savants at this, at remembering what God did in the past. And I, I think about Israel sometimes, and I think... How many of these thanksgiving offerings did they give to God while they were under Roman occupation? And just think how many of them might have been tempted to, to, to look around and say, there's nothing to be grateful for. Just like in my life, in your life at times, we look at God, there's nothing I can give you thanks for. But Israel, they looked back and they said, no, God, you're faithful. They gave thanks you know what the most repeated command in the Bible is? It's fear not. You know what the second is? It's remember. It's remember. It is so important. Part of how we cultivate grateful hearts is we make a habit of looking back and rehearsing the faithfulness of God. I learned recently about a, a Jewish tradition that began in the ninth century or so. During Passover, as a family got together, they would sing a song, which would be a terrible idea in some of our families, but they, they would get together and they would sing, and they sang a song called Dainu. And Dainu, it, it literally means it would have been enough. It would have been enough. And as a family, they reflect back on what God's done, how God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, how God gave them the Torah, how God gave them the temple, how God gave them the Sabbath. And they would say to God, together as a family, they'd say, God, if you had only given us one of these things, it would have been more than enough. What would that look like in your life and in my life? To, to, to reflect that way, to say, God, if you would have just given me forgiveness and salvation, it would have been enough. But God, you've given me your word and you've given me your spirit who lives inside of me and you've given me the community of faith. You've given me brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you. I love what one pastor says. He says, Dainu is saying, thank you, God, for overdoing it. What would it look like to pray that way? For you to say, God, you could have just given me food and, and clothing and shelter, 
But God, you've enabled me to have a great family and a job that makes a difference in the world. God, thank you for overdoing it. For you to say, God, you could have made a world where we just eat vegetables all the time and it would have been enough. But God, you made a world with ice cream. Truly. And thank you. Thank you, God, for overdoing it. See, we look back on what God has done and what God is doing now and we say, thank you. Now, what would it look like for us this week to take this, to to apply this to our lives? I wanna encourage you for this week to engage in this simple prayer rhythm. And it's two prayers a day and in the morning, this is what, and, and I'm right there with you that I'm inviting us to do is in the morning to pray, God, help me see. Help me see all the ways that you are providing for me and protecting me, all the blessings that come from your hand. God, help me see the individual kindness that you are gonna show me today. And then in the evening, could be on your way home from work, it could be at, at night if you're in the shower even, it could be right before your head hits the pillow. Now I say, God, in the morning, help me see. In the evening, it's now, God, I say thank you. Maybe you just pick three things. You say, God, thank you for that interaction with my daughter today. She hugged me. God, thank you for that. Thank you that I got to choose where I went for lunch and what I ate. God, thank you for all the ways that you've provided for my my family during this season. What would that look like for you? To, 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 To reflect and again, to cultivate a heart because what if you and I did this? If we engage this kind of a rhythm beyond this week, if this becomes part of your practice to see God's hand at work, this can change your life. This can make us into a grateful people. And finally, listen, the Samaritan in the story is not the only one who sees. Jesus also sees. You look at verse 14, when they're calling out to Jesus, it says, when he saw them. Just stop for a moment and think about this. Jesus saw. And he sees you too. This is the foundation of all thanksgiving. When you're looking around, you're like, I don't know what to be thankful for. Listen, Jesus saw you in your helpless state. And he healed you. Not from physical leprosy, but from a spiritual sickness. Leprosy of the soul. And he gave you life and adopted you into his family. And so that now, like this Samaritan, we can say we're cleansed. But it is far more profound than the cleansing this man got. Because we've been cleansed from the inside out forever. That our skins, though they were as scarlet, now they are white as snow. Surely he is a God who overdoes it. So whenever you don't know what to give thanks for, give thanks for that, that that Jesus saw. And he sees. You know, some of you today, you're, you're carrying such burdens into this room and watching online, and maybe you just feel like, God, are you even there? And you need to know that Not only he saw you, he died for you, but he sees you now. 
sees you. And so in light of that, we say, thank you. You know, I mean, we'll squeeze every ounce out of that word. We will never fully get to the bottom of how much gratitude we ought to all have in our hearts to God for who he is and what he's done. But we can start. Say, God, help me see. And now, God, I'll say, thank you. Lord, we we thank you for your loving kindness and your grace. And God, we just, together, we do say thank you. We say thank you for all the things we take for granted, all the things that we don't even see, all the ways you protect us that we don't even know about. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to become more grateful, Lord, where we truly respond the way that this Samaritan leper did. We throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and we say thank you. So God, we do that now together. We just lift our voices, we lift our hearts to you. And we do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.